The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that day that we've been waiting for since last season ended. It's the beginning of a new Pelicans basketball season. And to get us in the right place, the right place of mind, as the Pelicans prepare to tip off tonight against the Oklahoma, I mean, excuse me, the Memphis Grizzlies, is a Pelicans broadcaster for Bally Sports, former Pelican, well, former New Orleans Hornet, and NBA champion, the one and only Antonio Daniels. AD, welcome back. We're so glad to have you here on the Bird Calls, man. What's up, fellas? You already looking ahead to next week. You looking ahead to OKC game already. I know. Ain't even even got through Memphis yet. You looking forward to OKC already. I I like the thought process, though. I like it. You know, that's all these are division games up front very early against teams that, of course, um, the Pelicans will see often during the regular season. And and I want to start right there. Um, The Western Conference and this division, the Southwest Division may be the toughest division in all of basketball this season. When you look at it from a perspective of, you're talking about um, a young team like the Memphis Grizzlies that's been in the top three seeds of the West in each of the last two seasons, a rising team like the Oklahoma City Thunder that did knock out the Pelicans in the play-in tournament. You also have the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic, who is that's going to always be a competitive team with Kyrie Irving. They'll be competitive. I'm not saying that, that you know, certainly they have their struggles and things that they have to work out but an improving Rockets team that added a lot of veterans in the offseason. And, of course, the Spurs with Big Vic. And he changes the equation for them. And we've seen how dramatically, particularly on the defensive end, he can be a factor. You know, just I'm just talking about the place for the Pelicans within this division and maybe the deepest West we've seen in our lifetime. I I hear you, man. For me, I don't even – and maybe it's wrong on my part. I'm not even looking at the division. I'm looking at the conference. And the conference as a whole is probably the deepest that I've ever, or as long as I can remember seeing the Western Conference with 15 teams. Like, if you look at it, your job, you want to finish top six, but the top 10 actually make it to the plan. But look at the teams that you're talking about, though, right? You're talking about the Lakers. You're talking about Denver. You're talking about Phoenix. You're talking about Golden State. You're talking about the Pelicans. You're talking about OKC. You're talking about Minnesota. You know, you can you can go down the list and name. You're talking about Memphis, different teams, the last three teams. So after you get through those 12, remember, Utah actually had an opportunity to make the plan last year before they start shutting guys down. If you go through those top 12 and you get to the last three teams, the bottom three teams to me are not in any particular order, are San Antonio, Portland, and Houston. Here's the thing. San Antonio, Portland, and Houston are all going to compete and are all going to be relevant. They're going to beat some people. You can count on it. 100% they're going to beat some people. Portland added DeAndre Ayton to go along with those guards and Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons. The veteran presence now, first of Ime Udoka, right, coming in as a coach of the Houston Rockets, and you're putting Fred Van Vliet and uh, Dylan Brooks alongside Jabari Smith. 
and Jalen Green, they're going to compete. And Victor Wimbenyama, they're going to be able to beat any team on a any night because he's that talented. He's that good. Those times that he can just completely take a game over on both sides of the basketball, I mean, the crazy thing is those are the bottom three teams in the Western Conference. There is no night off no more in the Western Conference. Ooh, I mean, you, last season, it was, like you said, it was it was essentially 12 deep. Um, going into the last week of the season to get those into those 10 spots, most of those were separated by game, game and a half. Mm-hmm. And I think we're looking at that same position because even your bottom three last year, your bottom three, where Houston was, that was a team that was winning sub-30 games. Like this year, like it's all three of those teams, San Antonio, they may not get to 30. I mean, like they're going to push. Like you said, none of so, those are easy outs that you can talk, walk into on a, on the night safe. Okay, so I have a question for you guys. Can you see any team in the Western Conference tanking right now? Can I see a team in the West winning 60 either? No, no, no. But the, the, the wild thing is last year, yeah. you actually had teams that were tanking. You know what I mean? And I get it. You're taking for that dude. I don't know who the number one pick is slated to be in this year's draft. No idea. But last year, San Antonio was tanking. Portland was tanking. Houston was tanking. You had teams. Utah was tanking. Mm -hmm. So you had teams in the Western Conference that were shutting down guys and tanking. Shut down. Right now, I can't see a team in the Western Conference that is tanking, which means every time that you step on that floor, you got to be right, Brock. Yeah, so Eric. Yeah. Yeah, so AD, I was going to ask you, it's a perfect time to transition into. So Pelicans, same pretty much roster as last season, right? The continuity's there. So the biggest change I feel like they made was to the coaching staff, adding Mm -hmm. James Borrego. So first, I quickly want to ask you, because he's a San Antonio guy, you're a San Antonio guy. Have you ever talked to him, met him? What do you know about Oh, my gosh. Me and, me and JB go way back. <laughs> me and JB go way back. We attend the same church in San Antonio. Me and James Borrego go, go way back. I have the ultimate amount of respect for him, his family, his mind, his offensive mind, the way that he thinks and the way that he sees the game. And I have sat down and I have interviewed different guys I've interviewed Zion, I've interviewed B.I., I've interviewed Jose, I've interviewed C.J., and they all talked about the same things with James Borrego. They said, one, he listens. And anybody that has children in today's generation understands how important that is, right? He listens. He didn't come in and say, this is the offense that I'm going to run. Y'all do it. He made it more of a collaboration. And that's their words, not mine. That's their words. He made it more of a collaboration. Okay, where do you like the ball? Okay, now it's my job to figure out how I can get you in your sweet spot. So you see the offense is a lot of movement. It's a lot of passing, a lot of cutting. But essentially, what it comes to is getting the stars the ball in a position where they can be successful, right? So you'll see B.I. shooting a lot of mid-range jump shots. You saw that in the last preseason game versus Orlando. So they have different sets that are put in with ball movement, with the continuity that you just referenced. But it still ends up getting the ball to the guy that you want to have the ball in a position where he can be efficient. And that's what I've always liked about Borrego's offensive mind is he's thinking ahead. It's about movement. That's why in these first four preseason games, 
it's not like other offenses where you just come down and you say, all right, here, get the ball and everybody get out the way. It's a lot of movement, right? The only thing that you can do wrong a lot of times is stand and watch. And I love that because you're going to get a lot of ball movement. You're going to get a lot of player movement. There's a heavy emphasis on corner three-point shots. So it's certain things with certain guys that they know that they're looking for. Right. So, A.D., to follow up on that, you know, Willie's mentioned because of all this movement, right, man and ball movement, they want to lead, for instance, the league in assists. That's something mm -hmm. Rico did in his last year in Charlotte. They also want to get up more three-point shots, especially from, you know, the catch-and-shoot variety, take advantage of the corner three, something they mm -hmm. did last year, attack the offensive glass, which I think we saw in that first preseason game against Orlando, right? You had Kyra, B.I., Dyson all getting putbacks. And then, of course – everybody's favorite topic, playing with greater pace. So I'm curious, <laughs> yeah, so I'm curious, AD, just after watching these four preseason games, do you think it's going to take some time to yes. yeah, to digest yes. all these concepts? And, and what do you expect once they do iron things out? Do you think they'll get on that page and it's going to look different than last, uh, last season? I think it's going to look faster because you have the, the versatility to play faster. You know, um, they're talking about playing Zion at the five, which we saw some. They're talking about playing Herb at the five. You know, um, and, and my thing is I am so interested to see. I, I've been saying this for years now. So this is year five for me. I'm so interested to see what this team looks like over and healthy. I am. Where you have that starting five, and then coming off the bench, you do have Jose and Trey and Larry and Dyson and those guys, Najee. So you can legitimately go 10 deep. Um, there, there has been a different emphasis in the preseason on different areas. It's, it's one thing to talk about different things that you want to touch on. It's another thing to actually be at practices and scrimmages and watch certain things that have become areas of emphasis. Pace is a big one. Willie told Joel and I, they want to be in the top five, top 10 in pace, which means you want to, you want to get up and down that floor, but here's the thing to be in pace. You got to be in condition to play fast. So hey, I can remember growing up, playing AAU basketball. Everybody wanted to play fast. Everybody wanted to play fast. Everybody wanted to fast break. But no one wanted to do the running prior to. No one wanted to do, like you actually have to be in the type of shape to play fast for a significant amount of time. Depth is important. To have a team that is deep enough so you can play in five, six minute uh, segments, push it all out and then sub and then go in. You know, understanding who plays well with who as far as facing it is, is concerned. These are a lot of things that they referenced in, in preseason, but we do have to understand when you're implementing a whole new system, it's, it's going to take a minute. It is going to take a minute. And I'm not, what I'm not doing, I'm not giving this team a built-in excuse to lose games. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just speaking fact. I'm speaking reality. Anytime you're implementing something that's completely new, this is not, the 1990s or early 2000s were training campus 31 days where you have 14 two-a-days to work things out. You know, you have two weeks right now to try and put in the system and for guys to figure it out. And with a young team like this, it's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute to figure some things out. But I tell you what, when it all starts to come together during the game, I will text you guys and I will say, hey, look, we can see it starting to come together now the main thing that you want to see though in this early stage is continuous effort 
you know, because sure. that's the only way you get through the adjustment period is mm -hmm. by working harder than everybody else. The things that you can control, like you said, you can't run unless you close possessions on the defensive glass. You can't run if you turn the basketball over in live ball situations. And there were some times when the Pelicans struggle with that just by nature. They have some guys who are, can be loose with their handle. Uh, those things take uh, take time to adjust. And particularly, you've had the starters together. Now that second unit, though, is mm -hmm. going into the season. You're missing some ball handling with Jose being out and with Najee being out, two guys who do uh, create opportunities for you in transition. Larry, we're, we're going to see how effective he is having missed preseason. Cody, mm -hmm. your other big coming in, hadn't played in the preseason. When we look at those things from that second unit in particular, how important is it going to be for them to find some areas of success early? And who do you look to in that bench to step up while Trey and some of these other guys are on the sidelines? Well, David, this is why I think it's so important to have three guys that you can run your offense through. Because now you can stagger those guys. So one of those three, whether it, I'll say one of those four, whether it be Zion, B.I., C.J., or Jonas, will be in with that second unit. So it's not like AAU where you play one through five and then sub out and then six through ten come in and then one through five. So what you'll see is one of those two guys will come out a little bit earlier, possibly two of them. And then those two guys will come back with that second unit. That's the benefit of having depth and star power and firepower is you have the willing, is blessed with the versatility to play different ways. Maybe in the first five or six minutes of the game, Jonas won't get a lot of touches because of who he's out there with. Now, when he comes in with that second unit, now you have the luxury of actually giving him some touches and playing through him. So just the, the, the versatility to play with that second unit, especially being without Najee, being without Jose, being without Trey Murphy, being without those guys is significant. It's huge from an energy standpoint mm -hmm. because this is a really, really quiet team. This is a really quiet team. Fantastic group of guys that really love being around each other, but they're quiet. Like you look at that starting lineup, none of them are big talkers. CJ's not a big talker. Her's not a big talker. Jonas isn't a big talker. Zion isn't a big talker. BI's not a big talker. You can go down the list. Dyson isn't a big talker. But you know who is? Trey Murphy is. You know who is? Jose Alvarado is. You know who is? Najee Marshall is. And those are three guys right now that are out that give this team a completely different identity when they're healthy. Yeah, so AD, you touched on it. Everybody's talking about it. Zion Williamson at the five. We've seen some glimpses. And this mm -hmm. is something that the coaching staff's really committed to, right? I asked Willie the other day, when Larry comes back, are you going to maybe, you know, put Larry at the five, put Z back at the four? He's like, well, we'll play that lineup some. Well, we really mm -hmm. want to take a good look at Z, Herb, those really small units out there during the regular season. So I thought kind of it was a bumpy ride, especially, you know, that Houston game, Atlanta game. So it's hard to take things away, right, because that competitive spirit wasn't there. But mm -hmm. just from a broad-based standpoint, what do you think it's going to take for a team, let's say Zion at the five, to be successful, right? We know the basic things. They're going to have to box out. He's going to have to give help, right, from a center position. But what are you keying in on? The thing is, we have to understand the NBA that we're in today. Like when we say like Zion at the five, that's not a crazy thought. Mm -mm. Not in today's NBA, it's not. Now, if you go back to the 1990s and early 2000s, when you have Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Kim Olajuwon, 
those guys were having a different conversation. But in today's NBA, what center are you really like, oh my gosh, like we can't put Zion on that guy outside of Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Everybody else, you're okay because nobody's playing through that five. So now what James Borrego is really good at is everything that you just talked about, right? Which is very important. Okay, you still do got a rebound because you're small, right? You want to play fast. But also putting Zion in a position to isolate on a five-man at that elbow. You know, so it, it goes both ways. Yeah, okay, on one end, you got to do all those things. But on the other end, they actually have to stop him as well. And when you look at the potential of what this team could look like holding healthy, of Zion being out there with B.I. at the four, Herb at the three, or Trey Murphy at the three, Herb at the two, C.J. at the one, you know, so you're surrounding Zion with shooters. That's the blueprint in today's NBA. Or realistically, you're surrounding B.I. with shooters and lob threats. So it's just the versatility that's there. I, I'm, I'm in favor of it. I am in favor of it. Because the thing that you know about Zion is he does such a good job throughout the course of games, taking metadata and understand how he's being guarded and then how and when to attack. Point Zion wasn't a thing. But I tell you what, he made it a thing because of his thought process and how cerebral he is in between the four lines. For me, I think I would be comfortable as a coach putting Zion at almost any position out there on that floor in today's NBA because today's NBA is positionless. One thing I do like about him playing the five defensively is I think it keeps him engaged because sure. at the five, I noticed that his he understands that he, he's not going to be a vertical threat as the five. He's not going straight up and blocking shots at the five. But what it did is it, the things that he has an advantage on, he has incredible hand quickness. And we saw mm -hmm. it in that, the, the game where he got, what, the five Orlando. steals, four steals in the first Orlando. quarter, five steals in the first half. And those were all because he was anticipating with Biggs, watching on the turns, using his hands on the way. But here's the thing, Instead though. of trying to reach in and, and block shots. But here's the thing, though. He was engaged. He was engaged defensively. And the thing is, there is a drastic difference. And you can see it. It's visible when Zion's engaged defensively. And in that Magic game, the last preseason game, he was engaged. You know, you, you could see it from the beginning. I don't know if it was the number one overall pick versus the number one overall pick, the Duke versus Duke. I don't know what it was, but you can see he approached that game with a completely different defensive mentality. Yeah, AD. Sorry, David. I was going to quickly ask to follow up on that, that Zion himself, and I think people should understand this, that he said his teammates, right, talked him up after yep. that you know, couple of bad yep. especially off Atlanta. So for all those people that seem to think that maybe this team isn't as together as they probably should be, or – you know, the chemistry. Oh, they definitely are. From they everything I've seen in preseason and heard, it's there. So I think that's one of the best examples we have, right? If Zion, who's, right, one of these quote-unquote superstars of the league, takes in information from whether it's CJ or whoever, and then we see that, right, that comes out in the next game, I don't know how you can't be more hopeful about the Pelicans this season, right? Because we know from a talent standpoint it's there. And we always talk about health has to be there. But it seems like they're really on the same page. And I think that's probably been my biggest takeaway this preseason. 
They're all talking about JB, implementing his stuff, but they're mm -hmm. also talking to each other. Even though they're not vocal, like you just said, which we all know, they're really trying to get and come in and, and put together a really solid season. You, you know, my, I, I've never... I've never been a fan of preseason, preseason the games. I yeah. never had. Because um, to me, uh, it, it's a no-win situation. Preseason games to me are like summer league. Not outside of, you know, certain stars playing. What I mean by that is, if you play well, you know what people say? Just the preseason doesn't matter. But if you struggle in the preseason, people make a big deal about it. So really, there is no no-win. Like, it's a no-win situation in the preseason. Um, I, I think one of the best things for the Pels is the fact that I, they had 11 days after the preseason. So you have certain teams that literally just finished playing preseason games three, four, five days ago. Pelicans, you know, they, whatever it was, or, or a week or whatever it was after those games, they had a legitimate amount of time after their final preseason game, you know, to kind of to kind of work on some things. And because the competitive nature in you, the competitive nature in me, can force you to see those games and immediately hit the panic button before the season starts. You know, that game in Birmingham and that game in Atlanta, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. hit the panic button. <laughs> but the fact that it's simply just the preseason and starters didn't play starters minutes. It's a lot that goes into, into this. And you can see, guys, I, I'm telling you, me and Joe have, have discussed this. We've discussed this in our game versus Orlando, the one preseason game we broadcast. You can see guys trying to implement their skill set still in James Brago's system. They're trying. You can see. You can see B.I. trying. You can see Zion trying. You can see Z.J. trying. And this is something that takes a minute. It takes a minute, you know, and when you have a couple practices, a couple scrimmages to kind of do this on the fly, then hopefully it starts to translate to the regular season. I just want to ask you this so we can let you go because I know you're busy and, and of course, um, we always appreciate your time. But, my, um, you know, as we go into this regular season, as a player, and you've been in these situations where your team is under pressure to perform, um, you know, it is always pressure year to year. It's about the immediacy. But there's also the big picture as we look at this as the Pelicans in this five-year process for all these players involved, this, this front office and this evolution that we've had to go under since Zion was drafted. When you look at this team, we constantly say this is a pivotal year for the franchise. Mm -hmm. For you, though, where, where is your perspective as this season starts in relative, you know, relative to the present and the future of the Pelicans franchise? Here's my thing. I think one of the best things that has happened to the Pels coming into this year is the media is off the Pels bandwagon. I think that's fantastic. I think it's fantastic because young teams tend to operate better under the radar. If you look at OKC last year, if you look at the Sacramento Kings last year, young teams, for some reason, they operate better under the radar. The last two years, everybody's been talking about the Pales and talking up the Pales and, oh, my gosh, they're going to, and I think they're going to. And now this year, me and Joel, Jen Hill, we're broadcasting 79 games. 
You know what that means? There are not very many national TV games. You know why? Because the national media is kind of backed off. So with that, I love that. I love that. You know, I remember initially, my, my timeline aligns with Zion's, right? So we came in together. This is year five for me, the same way as year five for them. And I believe it was the first or second year where the national media wasn't even talking about the Pels. And we used to always via social media talk about Pels against everybody, Pels versus the world. And that's how the feeling that I feel this team operates best under. This team is under the radar with national media is not even talking about him anymore. Everything right now is about Phoenix and Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal and Devin Booker and the Los Angeles Lakers and how they won the offseason to Denver Nuggets and how they're going to repeat. Steph Curry, now Chris Paul and those guys are together. They're talking about every other team in the Western Conference except the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm -hmm. And for me, I love that. Bells versus everybody. I'm with it. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I think that, you know, this the early start to the season is going to really tell us, I think, a lot sure. about how they approach. You get tested right out of the gate um, these first four games, and we're going to learn a lot about this team and their mentality. And I think, as you said, you want, I think we want them to get off to a good start, obviously, but we're looking for incremental progress, too. We're looking for them to improve from game one to game four. As Willie Green's preached throughout his three years, the season is broke up into parts. The mm -hmm. first 10 games are not going to be your last 10. Um, I just want to see this team, you know, I think we all just want to see this team healthy and whole for 70-plus games you right. know, and, and see where we end up and make a real assessment come the end of the season and say, okay, we know. For sure. There's no more speculation. We got right. to see it all on the floor. I, I will say this. It is incredibly important for this team to get off to a good start this season. That's important. I, I can't, I'm not even comfortable downplaying that. I'm not comfortable <laughs> downplaying that. You know, in the first 10 games, you don't want to be three and seven. You don't want to be four and six. It is incredibly important for this young basketball team to get off to a good start, because that's how you build confidence. You think about some of the different things that this team has endured over the past couple of years, 42 wins last year, you know, and that's Zion playing 29 games, B.I. playing 44 games, and the year before going to a, what was that, a 13-game losing streak or whatever it may be, and still making the playoffs. So if you can eliminate, if you can eliminate something, a huge hit, to this team, not just injury-wise, but I'm just talking about throughout the course of the season, putting yourself in the hole 10, 12 games by losing 10, 12 games straight, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm with you. I will be the first to tell you it should be a priority, and I know that it is a priority because I talked to Griff about this. It's a priority for this team to get off to a good start this season. That's incredibly important when you're dealing with young basketball teams. 10 of the first 15 are at home. I'm looking at that. Amen. Amen. Take advantage of home. Try and get as close to 50 as you can on the road as far as being 50% on the road and win the games you're supposed to win. The rest will take care of itself. It's been that one month of every season that has killed the New Orleans Pelicans, whether it's been by injury or just performance. And they cannot have that kind of month, whether it's some years it's been the first month, Last year was January. <laughs> Got to avoid that one month and just play consistent basketball. That's all. That's, that's right. all you want to see on this team. And let's let the chips fall where they may. And, and we'll just see what you got.
Amen. Amy, thank you again. Thanks, Ollie, any, any final words you want to get in, Ollie, before we get out of here? No, thanks a lot for your time, AD. And I'm looking forward to seeing you, man, Saturday. New York Knicks. That's right. for we sure. will both be there Saturday for the Knicks and the home opener. We'll get to see you then. Um, thank you for your time. And thank you all for watching and listening. This has been the Bird Calls. And in the words of our good friend, Pastor Nellis, let's go Pets. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.